Hey guys, bet you're expecting Jay, wouldn't you? It's Squidge, this is part two of our discussion with Lulu. We've covered a lot of stuff on this episode, as well as the last one. If you haven't heard the last one, go back and listen to it. If you're wondering where Jay is, he's outside feeding the chocobo. I thought I might sneak in and do the intro. As always, all the links, social crap is in the description below. Did you feed him? <laughs> What's up? He bit me. Did you feed him the greens instead of the cranberries? You didn't, did you? What were you expecting? Keep the glass and the greens are there. I always get it wrong. Oh, I'll feed him next time. Yay. Anyway, here's part two with our discussion with Lulu. Yes, I hijacked the intro. Yay! Anyway, yeah. video games. Video games. Hey. Yes, because, <laughs> you know, reasons. <laughs> we talked about, so just really quickly to bring it back to Kotaku. The reason I brought Kotaku up is because <laughs> um, Squidgy and I both agree with this particular opinion put forth. But now, before I say who, I know that I don't agree with everything he says. But mm. he's a character and he presents his stuff in a humorous way. So I see him as a stand-up character. Also, if you're going to look at his stuff after we mention it, just be forewarned, he swears a lot. Yes. Um, so... The, you know, in the same way that if you go see a stand-up comedian, let's pull a name out there. Uh, stand-up comedian, Squidgy, give me a name. Jimmy Carr. Right, you go see Jimmy Carr on st- uh, at a show, right? He's not to everyone's taste, and that's perfectly fine. But if you are a fan and you go see him, and he stands up on stage and tells loads of jokes, you talk to him afterwards, you're not talking to that same mm. character. Yeah. The person on stage it's, is it's a, a persona. The person, yeah, the person in front of the camera is a character. Now, Squidgy and I both agree with Razorfest on his viewpoint on Kotaku and that is essentially the reason that they've gone down the route that they've gone is because they trade ad space for exclusive information from the video game companies but the problem is it's not just the ad space they give preferential treatment and uh, preferable reviews to games and products and services if those products and services are willing to pay them a bucket load of money Mm -hmm. so you know things like uh, Battlefield 947 or whatever it is that came out. Was it four? Yeah, and uh, you know all of these games that came out recently that got really high ratings on Kotaku with their clickbaity titles that then came out and were absolute shash were, that was literally I mean, you could you could see it. Mm. Mass Effect Andromeda was one of them. And that's, you know, that's how that went and that's why, um, you know, a short less than two years after being bought by a media company, they're being sold again because Mm. Unfortunately for the people who work there, and I'm not trying to tar everyone with the same brush, they're kind of, how do I put it? They're kind of like, they get used, Mm. is how I'll put it. You know, they're used for, hey, you have this reach. Put loads of really positive words about our product out, and then we'll, uh, brilliant, and then don't worry about it for the the next three months. They're not a a reviewing website or whatever. There's just a tool. Mm. That, kind, of, kind of thing. Yeah, and they're a bit... They're oh, a they'll bit, do that. Just push it to them. They're a bit weeaboo, yeah. if I'm honest. They <laughs> fall into the weeaboo category. They're not... I don't have the vocabulary to explain the difference, but someone like me who has a passing interest in Japan and Japanese culture and stuff like that, I'm not over the top about it, 
I might get excited about it and tell everyone about it, but I don't sit there and go, but you need to do this and you need to have these sweets and you need to do this and you need to do that. It's the best thing ever. You need to buy this body pillow. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I honestly don't think Japan is the greatest country in the world because there is, A, because there is no greatest country in the world and B, because they don't treat foreigners very nicely. (laughs) And C, the Technodrome is the greatest country in the world. Yeah, exactly. The Technodrome is the greatest country Mm -hmm. in the world. But only a short few weeks ago, I found a story about an ALT, an assistant language teacher, who had gone out there and was teaching English, and he had a psychotic break. And ten days later, he was found dead, strapped to his medical bed in a hospital. Whoa. They strapped him down, drugged him, and left him. Whoa. Yeah. But then, that could happen in any country. Mm. Yeah. You know, I'm not using that as an example. I'm saying that whilst I am interested in Japan and Japanese culture and Japanese history, it's not the be-all, end-all for me. Mm. Yeah? But for the main writing staff at Kotaku, it seems like... It's, it's their life. It's the it's the greatest thing ever. Oh my God, somebody in Japan breathed. Mm. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> that's the kind of... Let's write a four-page satirical article. Yeah, those... Uh, not, no, take out the satirical article. Four-page. Four-page, four-page, four-page article about someone breathing. You know what I mean? And that's the kind of stuff that they do. And it's really... It's a shame, really, because they, like you said, they used to be really good. Mm. Mm. Anyway, mm. that's about that. Before we talk Final Fantasy VII Remake, let's talk Distant Worlds. Mm. Over to you. Yeah. Oh my god. If you finish chewing. I'm sorry, I told you I was hungry. That's okay. Welcome to the snack podcast. Sorry guys, I hope my chewing wasn't like obnoxiously loud. I did tell you I was hungry. <laughs> it was my own fault for not grabbing a sandwich or something first. But yes. Oh my god. This Distant world was amazing. So, uh, just real quick though, uh, Lulu. For people who don't know what Distant Worlds is, could you, like Squidge, mm. could you give us the 411? So, the 411 is, it's called Distant Worlds, the music from Final Fantasy. And the title in itself is fairly self-explanatory, but at the same time, kind of not. So... Umatsu and a wonderful man by the name of Arnie Roth got together years ago and decided that they wanted to do a touring concert with full orchestras and choirs. And they wanted to kind of tweak the music from previous Final Fantasy games to suit an orchestra. And ever since then, they have gone literally around the world performing these pieces of music that you love from the Final Fantasy series. And it's not just like, For example, my brain just farted. It got smelly. I'm so sorry. For example, (laughs) Eris' theme. It's not just stuff like that. They'll perform Answers from Final Fantasy XIV, which is um, the A Realm Reborn song. They'll perform Kiss Me Goodbye from Final Fantasy XII, Suteka Dene from Final Fantasy X. So it's not just musical pieces. It's also songs as well. If you've never been and you're a fan of Final Fantasy and you want to hear these pieces performed by a full orchestra, I highly recommend going. Even if it's just once, just go for the experience. You won't regret it. <laughs> That's my spiel. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do do do. Okay, so what, what was so great about this year? So then? for me, two things. One, I went with my partner we usually go together he's not strictly a final fantasy fan per se he's only ever played two of them and that was final fantasy 14 
back in a realm reborn and he's just come back and he's played final fantasy 15 so he's more of a he's he kind of enjoys it vicariously through me he knows i'm passionate about it and because he's such a wonderful partner Mm. he wants to enjoy these things with me Mm. so he was able to come to this one because it was in may and not november like it normally is and you know, to the adults among us that work in retail, you know how hard it is to get time off in November. It's nigh on impossible. So he's missed a couple of shows in the past few years. But we also went with some people from my FC on Final Fantasy XIV, uh, my guild. Oh, nice. So two of them live about a 40-minute drive away from me, and one of them came all the way over from Ohio in America to come and see this show, even though there is a show literally on two weeks. Like I think it's, I think at the time we went to go and see it, it was like two, three weeks after he would be going back home, there would be a show near him and he decided to come to London instead. And I don't blame him because the Royal Albert Hall, again, if you've never been, it's incredible. Even before the Distant Worlds concerts, I always wanted to go to the Royal Albert Hall, but it was a case of what would I watch? What would I go and see that I would enjoy? And thankfully, Distant Worlds remedied that for me. And it's it's incredible. Just The Royal Albert Hall is amazing. And every time I've gone there, they've been incredible. They've been helpful. The staff have been lovely. Kind of like this is my mini shout out to the staff for being so awesome and the the Albert Hall just being inc- an incredible venue. So plugging that a little bit. But yes, if you've ever wanted to go, you've needed an excuse. This is your perfect excuse. So that was hmm. the first reason why it was so good. The second reason was, oh, actually, no, there's probably three reasons now I think about it. But the second reason, and this was the biggest one for me, because I love Final Fantasy X. I got to see Ricky perform Suteke Dene live at the Royal Albert Hall. Again, for those not in the know, Ricky is the uh, songstress who performed Suteke Dene originally on Final Fantasy X. So you could imagine me being a big fan of this game, getting to see her perform the song instead of Susan Calloway. Now, I'm not saying that Susan Calloway is a bad singer by any stretch. She's not. She's incredible. But there's something special about seeing the person who performed it originally on stage in front of you performing it. She was amazing. Like, my mind was blown. I do have a video of her performing it. She wore this beautiful green kimono. She looked amazing. And I, I will never get over that. Like, I, my mind is blown forever for that. And I think the third part that just randomly crept in is the second half of the show was kind of dedicated to Final Fantasy VII. And yeah, I know, which a lot of people have been speculating about that, you know, they've never really done that before. Obviously, yes, they've played songs from Final Fantasy VII, you know, One Winged Angel, Cosmo Canyon, Eris' theme, just to name a few. But this was a dedicated segment to it. So that was really, really incredible. Um, 
And of course, when the orchestra is playing, there's um, like this 30, 40 foot screen hanging over them. And you're watching images from the games, like with Seven, it's the game, the movie, so on and so forth. And it it's, it's just the whole experience, the, the vibe in there as well, where you're sat in there with like a couple of thousand Final Fantasy fans all genuinely enjoying themselves. It's great. It's absolutely incredible. And I know I keep saying incredible. There's no other word to describe it. And I think you should go. And if my excitement and the way that I have pretty much not taken a breath while talking about this <laughs> isn't enough to make you want to go, I don't know what is. Just go. Enjoy it. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So, so you recommend yeah. going. Um, and this year's was was the best so far? I, I'd say it was the best. And I went to both the 25th anniversary concert and the 30th anniversary concert. And they were good. I thoroughly enjoyed them. I always enjoy my time there. But I think for me, it was the people that I went with that added to the experience. Yeah. Obviously, you had people from your guild and you had the person from the States come all the way yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. So well. it just added. So that makes it special. Exactly. Um, you know, and like I say, I've had to sadly go to a concert on my own before because my partner couldn't make it. And, uh, you know, like it was just bad timing for a lot of things. So I've gone to a concert on my own before and I have still thoroughly enjoyed it. So it's not even just that, you know, my friends made the experience better because I have been alone and I've still had the same sort of experience. But again, I think what added to this was just having those people there with me. So yeah, definitely go with a group of friends who are just as interested in it as you are. I highly recommend that. Hmm. And you never know, Scridge, if we go to one, it might be like a Final Fantasy IX specific They one. do play tracks from Final oh, God, Fantasy no. IX. Uh, ah, no, 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 no. I don't think I can handle that. Especially if there's one particular track. It, I just, it set me off. Let's see. They've played... Um, they used to play You're Not Alone a lot. Mm. But then they debuted Festival of the Hunt and oh. Roses of May or Loss of Me, as it was known over here. Beatrix's theme. And they have <laughs> performed the song... Brain, please stop doing this because you're making it look like I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, Melodies <laughs> of Life, they have performed Melodies of Life as well. And they're mm. great. My only slight niggle with this one, and it's only like a teeny tiny one because, again, Final Fantasy VIII is my favourite. They didn't play anything from Final Fantasy VIII hmm. this time around. I was really hoping for Libere Fatale, but they made up for it by playing Dancing Mad from Final Fantasy VI. And they use oh. the Royal Albert Hall boasts the second largest organ in Europe, <laughs> and <Sorry>. I know. This <laughs> 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 joke, but again, this <laughs> this this uh, this organ is huge, and I, guys, I I'm just gonna carry on. And let you giggle like a schoolboy over the fact that I've mentioned the word organ and huge in the same breath. Welcome to the Do Well Brothers podcast. <laughs> but yeah, again, it's the second largest in Europe. And the first concert back in, I think it was 2011 or 2012, 
they played Dancing Mad using this organ. And the guy that was like playing it looked like he was about to turn to dust. He was so old. <laughs> and we haven't seen them use that organ since. And I was so happy because with my friend coming over from America and then suddenly it's like, oh my God, we're getting the organ. Oh my God, this is like a super big treat for you because this thing is impressive. Like the whole building shakes when this thing is playing. It's so... like <laughs> You're such a child. I'm trying to like get excited for you guys <laughs> and trying like translate my my childish excitement and you're just like yeah jokes. <laughs> but no seriously this thing is so impressive like literally the whole building shakes when someone's playing it it's so good and dancing mad was made to be played on a full-sized organ mm-hmm. and it was incredible so i can live without liberate fatale for that it was so good it was so so good and Susan Calloway, as always, and I know she's on Twitter, Susan Calloway was on point, as always. She is so lovely, such a talented singer, and I'm so glad that she's enjoying the opportunity that Distant Worlds and Final Fantasy have given her. Like, seriously, she's she's just a sweetheart. Go follow her on Twitter and love on her. You need to. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Squidgey, there. Yeah. Go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I feel better now. Oh, I need Yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a child. Oh, dear. Oh, you feel so much better. I try yeah. to be professional about these things, but I can't. You are, you are a no. teenage boy at heart. <laughs> Anyway, so, um, so Distant mm-hmm. Worlds, right? Uh, so, Squidge, you had to step out for a moment there, just for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, um, uh, Lulu was saying that during the second half, they brought down a massive screen and they did some Final Fantasy VII stuff. Ooh. So I thought, um, as a slight tangent to that, it might just be time. Mm. So we've discussed this off-air, and I think we talked about it about an hour ago. Um, Squidgey hasn't seen the Final Fantasy VII trailer. And what we thought we'd do is, I've seen it, and Lulu's seen it, mm-hmm. we thought, if we can get the technology working right, so Squidge has got a second pair of headphones, so inside baseball fans, we've, uh, uh, each of us have got a pair of headphones going into our respective devices, mm-hmm. so that we can hear each other talking, um, and Squidgey is about to try and pair... Now, this uh, usually works, it's just my phone being a bit of an idiot. Should we try and... Did you just go a bean? I mean, I didn't like to say it. It's, uh, it's, it's a bit of a medical condition. Okay, well, I won't be able to hear anyone's reaction to my reaction. So, uh, it's going to be a bit odd. Here come the drums, here come the drums. Here come the boom. Boom. All right, I'll, I'll use your... I tape. don't know what that sounds like to you, uh, really, but... It's fine, I have heard way worse over on Discord. <laughs> you should see me right now. I've got two massive pairs of over-the-ear headphones on my head, and there's a little room for anything else. I feel like I've got like a couple of yeah, kilograms at least on my head weighing right. me down. That's right. <laughs> All very technical on this show, obviously. Oh, yes. Do, 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 do. <laughs>
<laughs> I might as well ask you in preparation for later on. How are you with sort of like, you know, Final Fantasy and stuff? The older ones? Oh, you mean pre-FF7, should we say, older ones? Yes. Um, I've played all of them. Right, okay. It's just for some of for later on. <laughs> right. So, so are we hang on. Volume. Uh, yeah, up, down. And you can also do up, down on there. There's I'll, two separate volumes. I'll, I'll do this. So we're going to now let Squidgy watch the Final Fantasy VII trailer on um, my phone so he can still hear us and still communicate with us. We've seen it, haven't we, Lulu? Yes, I have seen it. Yeah, you'd said earlier on that you watched it go out mm-hmm. live. So hopefully if I've clicked the right video. You ready, Squidge? God, I'm, I'm trusting him at this point. Um, you ready, Squidge? Okay, do you want to give me a countdown or am I just pushing yeah, play? Yeah, when you hit play, don't be surprised if it's two girls, one cup. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm not trusting him at all now. Okay, um, so are you ready? Three, two, one. Okay, so he's hit start now. He's getting the PlayStation bit. Hello? Ooh! Uh-huh. Have fun. I'm here for you to help take the load off your shoulders. So, what's your next move, boss? That's easy enough. Are you okay? I'm fine. Here, this is for you. A flower? Take the damn flower! <laughs> know where he is now. He's just cocked an eyebrow. Which is better than an eyebrow and a cock, I suppose. <laughs> I rested for that last time. Planet suffer. Cloud. So, what do you think? There's a distinct lack of teeth in that. Yeah, it, it looks good. Um, it's it's more than just a quick fight scene in a, in a street that we've mm-hmm. seen before. More than just a fight scene. I'll be honest, I'm, known BG song, I'm, I'm less concerned now than I was before, because it was the, the, the details I released before was very vague. There was only either a few screenshots or a little bit of a fight mm-hmm. scene. Because the, the fight scene you saw before, there was very little on screen. It's like the, the, the actual footage, in-game footage, was completely different from what yeah. we saw before. So... By what you saw before, do you mean the video they released for the P- PS3 announcement video? Um, all or I can remember is there was a, f- a fight scene with a fountain, and Cloud was zipping around, he was being shot at by soldiers. And Barrett was there, but he wasn't doing much. Oh, you're talking about the 2015. Yeah. 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 That's the last one I've yeah. seen. So not the PS3 one, because yeah. um, the PS3 one was just um, a tech demo, and it was the opening of Final Fantasy VII. Where Cloud jumped off the um, the, the train, and it was like 15 seconds, and everyone went yeah. nuts over it. Yeah, and then everyone was like, oh my god, they're remaking it, and I Excuse kept going. Excuse my language, but I mean, that like tech demo was such a c*** tease. It really mm. was. It really was. And the whole time I'm going, it ain't going to happen. Not yet. It's not going to happen. Final Fantasy VII Remake is their cash cow. It is their we are going out of business move. I... I mean, I'm 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 less concerned after seeing it actually. Mm. The, the actual trailer, the actual. I'm I'm assuming that's that's gameplay footage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm less concerned. I'm also less concerned over the voice acting. Okay. Um, because I've I've noticed, especially in Final Fantasy games, I preferred it when there was no voice acting, and it's always been like that. Um, 
like I said, I could put my own voices on, so, you know, play the original Final Fantasy VII, I sell all of Barrett's lines like Joe Pasquale. Because <laughs> um, it, it makes me chuckle. It, it just really <laughs> does. Um, but I'm, I'm less concerned over the voice acting, because that, that has got so much better over mm-hmm. the years. I did see... In that trailer, it was either Biggs or Wedge, the one with the red bandana. Mm-hmm. I saw that, which made me laugh because every Final Fantasy game's got Biggs and yeah. Wedge. Yeah, I'm I'm a hell of a lot less concerned over it now. Um, I just don't know how they're going to do the episodic thing. See, that's even if it is still episodic, because that was back when um, everything was episodic. Yeah, and I mean, part of me is like, okay, episodic means that we'll get content quicker. Because, let's be honest, FF7 is a huge game. It is huge. And this is a AAA title. You can tell it's a AAA title. Hmm. So having it done episodically would sate the need of the fans, as in they'll be able to get it faster. But I also feel that having it done episodically for new fans might create a disconnect because you haven't got the full thing on yeah. longer. Yeah, so it, it's a catch-22, because obviously we've had episodic games before, like The Walking Dead, for example, and that was episodic, but people really enjoyed it because it gave them something to look forward to, something to talk about and speculate about, and, you know, it was just, there was an excitement build to it, and then you got the next episode, and you played it through, and yeah, they took, like, say, two, three hours to play, and then... You were waiting again for another, say, three to six months. And while, yeah, a lot of people bemoaned having to wait the three to six months, a lot of people enjoyed it because it drew out the experience for them. Meanwhile, Half-Life 2 fans be sitting over here going, So, (laughs) in, in terms of it being episodic, I'm very much on the fence because it can be a good or a bad thing. It's very catch-22. It depends mainly on how long they would make us wait between episodes. Because if we're talking like, again, three to six months, it's not bad. That's not a bad way in the grand scheme of things. If we're talking a year, we riot. Yeah, I think a year is a little excessive. I mean, again, to refer to FF14, we get new patches every three months. And that, to me, timeline-wise is perfect because you've got three months to get through the old content. And then you get fresh stuff because Mm. literally if I do everything every day and keep on track with it, usually about two weeks before the new patch drops, I've done everything. And I've got that two week sort of cool down period where I can just play and have fun. And they have like said before that the episodes are going to be like a full size game. So like Final Fantasy 13 size games. If that's true, three to six months again isn't a long way especially if you've got a full-time job or you're in full-time education Mm. that's more than enough time for you to fully immerse yourself and get everything done if you if you're one of those people that wants to explore every nook and cranny of a new game perfect just not every year please because that's just mean and i don't want to be in my 40s and still waiting for this (laughs) (laughs) where's the last part yeah again half-life fans be like
I will say the, the the one game that I actually played that was episodic and it was released over four weeks, mm. so it was a month that I played that I really enjoyed was because uh, I enjoyed it anyway. I put way too much time <laughs> into it. Was um, was Resident Evil Revelations mm-hmm. two? Yes, because you started it and you got like the, the setup for it and you got through the first chapter. You played as Claire and Moira Benton, which is Barry Benton's daughter. You I'm get... sorry, what's his name? Oh God, Barry motherfucking Benton. That's right. <laughs> his daughter. And then once once you got through their part of the story, you got through Barry's part of the story, which was set a little bit mm. later on. And then once you finished both chapters of that, you got a next time on Resident Evil Revelations 2. Mm. Pretty much like the first one, what it did was that the first game, you got to certain chapter points and if you save and quit, when you went back into it, it gave you a recap. But this was, it was released every week, it was a Monday it was released. And what it did is you, you play it and then you get through the story and then there was a raid mode. Mm. So you could keep playing that and get through that until the next episode was released, which was more story, and then you add more raid mode. Mm-hmm. So you add the story, if you wanted to plumb the depths of that, different difficulties, try and explore everything, and then you add a continual raid mode to play, which was like add infinite amount of possibilities, and then they added more. And I did that every week, and I really enjoyed that. That was like four parts in yeah. a month. I played that. The, the minute it was released, I get up really early on the Monday morning and blitz both stories and then get back to the raid mode because that was the most important mm-hmm. part for me. But <laughs> but that did work. I can't say much about the Telltale games because a certain part in the second episode lied to me, so I refused to play it anymore. I know they're very well put together and story mm. arc-wise and decisions and what have you. Episodic games, it's, it's a double, double-edged sword. Yeah. If it's done right, it works. If it's not done right, Hitman looking at you, um, <laughs> it doesn't yeah. work. I- so the the problem with the episodic titles is it would still need to be fully fleshed out and created and ready to go, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. of them, before the first mm-hmm. one is released. So let's say they did Final Fantasy VII and split it into four episodes. They would need all four episodes ready mm-hmm. to go before they could release the first one. Because obviously if there was a, an issue in the, one of the final parts of the fourth part of the game, the fourth episode of the game, but required a change to the engine or a change to the animation system or any part of the code which runs the game, they would then have to make sure that that change works on all four mm-hmm. parts. So they would still have to have the... Inter- That's why the Revelations uh, episodes were released every week because they were ready to go before the- hmm. everything, before they released them. And with the, um, with the Traveller's Tales uh, Walking Dead series, I'm pretty sure they would have mostly been complete before the first one was released, yeah. and that they would have, um, they would have had them ready to go each 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 three months or whatever, well in advance, and they just used that three month gap to sort of. Because if you think about it, it's it, The Walking Dead at the time was a massive TV show, and they're releasing it as episodes, yeah. which are essentially almost like a season and a half of story. So let's have a break in the middle, kind of like the series, yeah. mm. and have a break. So that it was like an artificial wait more more than an actual oh crap now we've got to make mm. episode four or whatever you know I, I can't say for like the because it's Telltale I can't say for like the the Wolf Among Us the the Batman the the other ones that they've done but the Walking Dead what was good about that was once you got to the end of the an episode it it showed you the stats of everyone else playing it and your key decisions. It told you who did what decision and then you even got a next time on. Mm, like a TV show. Yeah. yeah. The only reason they were able to do the next time on bit is because the next episode was already yeah. ready to go. Mm. But they intentionally put an intentional wait in between each one 
so that then you'd have to wait for the next one to come out. Mm. So my worry with it being episodic would be Square Enix have not done an episodic game, and Square Enix like to charge a lot of money for their oh, games. Yeah. Mm. So mm. if they split it into two, three, four, five episodes, are we paying a triple triple A title price for every per episode? episode? Yeah. Or are we paying a triple A title price for episode one, and then you play it for three hours and finish it and go, well, that was a waste of money. Mm. But also, I have to wait six months for the next part. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to do that, am I? Yeah, you know? I'm hoping mm. it's not going to be episodic anymore. I would rather wait an extra couple of years for just to just get the full game. But also, the question does beg of if they do decide to go the episodic route of, where would they end each episode? Because there's a lot of big moments in FF7. Yeah, there is a lot of story points, especially a lot of cliffhangers yeah. if you want to leave it there. There is a sh** ton of The them. first part of the game, you're in Midgar. Like, I remember, like, I'm not sure whether you guys had the same experience as I did because FF7 was my first RPG. Not just JRPG, but RPG. And I literally thought that Midgar was the entire game. So when you leave Midgar, that's easily the end of an episode because you're in there. You can be in there for hours doing stuff. Mm. And considering that now it's coming onto the PlayStation 4, 5, whatever they're going to do, because let's be honest, we're on the cusp of the PlayStation 5 now. Mm. So Midgar in itself is going to be even bigger than the original, which, you know, if anyone says, oh, no, it's going to be the same, you're an idiot. It's going to be bigger. There's going to be more <laughs> zones to explore, naturally. There's going to be more to do. Probably more little missions within that. It, because you've got to think, like, this was 22 years ago. The technology, it wasn't as advanced as it is now. Mm. And they couldn't do as much. So I would not blame Square Enix for making the Midgar section grander than it was originally. And I hope they do. I've got every belief that they will make it way grander so do they end episode one you leaving midgar because that could make sense that's a good long slog in there you've got to think mm. you know it's not just blowing up the reactors but it's scaling the shinra headquarters it's the fight with rufus it's getting out of midgar there's a lot in there you know there's the whole the chase scene yeah as well. the chase the section in wall market you know there's a lot that happens in those first shall we say for argument's sake six seven hours of gameplay easily six seven hours mm. especially if it's your first playthrough because you know you're not really sure of what you're doing to more veteran players they could probably get out there within a few hours easily i mean i know i can i can get out of midgar within three four but that's still a long time that's still a lot of mm. gameplay time so would they end it there and then obviously you've got the gold saucer you've got coral you've got cosmo canyon you have temple of the ancients and then obviously going to the forgotten city with Eris and her death so what point do they cut it off because like you say so mm. many sections where it could naturally be like, yeah, this is a good place to end this episode. So where do they do it? And, you know, I'm kind of hoping that what they have been boasting that, I mean, this is information that was given three, four years ago now. So obviously what I'm saying here could not be ringing true now. But what they said back then when they first announced it was that each episode 
would be the same size as Final Fantasy XIII. Now, Final Fantasy XIII, you could complete in about 40 hours. So are they saying that each episode is a 40-hour game? Hmm. If so, one, that's impressive if they pull it off. Two, how many episodes is that going to be? And three, they're going to they're gonna charge you full price per episode. I'm hoping they do some sort of season pass if that's the case. Yeah. Here's another question then. Not so much these days, but obviously when we were a lot younger, if we asked relatives for something for Christmas or for mm. birthdays, you know, I'm not going to go into the uh, the Santa situation, yeah. but let's say it's your, your birthday's coming up and you ask a relative, hey, could you get me, could I please have this video game? Mm. Now we're talking obviously a lot when we were a lot younger. Could I please have this video game? And, you know, the education on the fact that there were different systems and different systems played different mm. games if you got one for one it didn't work for the other um for instance when i worked at large video game retail company based in the uk that was bought out by a large video game retailing company based in the us uh, we had a customer who used to come in and buy playstation 2 games and then bring them back the next day because he couldn't get them working on his dvd player which is fair enough mm. you've mm. but if you don't know then no. you don't know do you? Mm. so what happens if i don't buy episode one but I bought episode two. Can I play episode two, or do I have to have played mm. episode one to be able to play episode two? Are, are they separate things, or do you yeah, need the they, previous one? Are they yeah. separate entities in that respect? Can I start a new game on episode two, and it give me a base set of characters at the levels that they would expect me to be at to be able to get mm. to, to the beginning of episode two? Or am I looking at, I have to have played episode one, to play episode two i have to have played episodes one and two to be able to play episode three if that is the case we're going to end up with potentially a lot of people who own episode two but haven't played episode one yeah hmm. there's a lot to consider but personally i hope that they just release it as one big game you know i want a monster of a game yeah we're at a point now where i mean they could make it a multi-disc game if they mm-hmm. needed to each blu-ray disc is 50 gigabytes they could invest in an extra layer on the Blu-ray discs, which would give them another 50 gigabytes because the PS4 laser can handle that. Yeah. So they could have potentially 100 gigabytes per disc. It would be a lot more expensive, which would push up the price of the game. I don't know what that would mean for downloading the game, though. Like, if you bought it from the Sony store, you'd be downloading it for a year. <laughs> well, it depends if you got, like, light stream or Yeah, not. no, of course, yeah. So it would depend on your internet games, but it would take a very mm. long time to download. Mm. And then we're talking zero-day patches. We're talking installing from the disc. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you bought it on launch, regardless of whether it's a single-disc game or a multi-disc game, if you bought that game on launch, you would be waiting a day and a half before you could yeah. play it. Or at least a couple of hours, yeah. There's a lot to consider with that game. And I, I worry because, you know, FF7 is a big one. Yeah, it's beloved by so many people that if they screw this up, poof, I would not want to be Square Enix. <clears throat> yeah, that's why, you know, I've always said that this is this is their Hail Mary. This is, they realise that there's nothing really much else that they can do. And it's going to be the, this will either work or it will destroy mm. them. And that's the only way that they're ever going to be able to, yeah, this, this is their... This is their we're in dire straits. We need a hit. 
Are they in dire straits, though? That's the thing. Because FF15, like, pulled in a lot of money for them. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. That's why we probably didn't hear about a lot of it for a long time. Because we were waiting to see how 15 would do. And not to mention 14 also pulls in a lot of money for them as well. So it's like, yeah, you've got to think it could be their swan song. But at the same time, they've got to have the money there to be able to invest into making it. So clearly they've got the money. That's true. You know what I mean? It's like I'm not poo-pooing what you're saying. It's just more... They wouldn't be able to get outside investors if they were really in financial dyers because they'd be just like, well, why would we invest in you? Because clearly you're not good at making money. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. It's going to be an interesting year or so, I think. Oh, yeah. Totally agree. But we'll see, as they say, in June. Yes. So the, the, the sort of things that I've got about Final Fantasy VII Remake, that I'll, I'll address the first one. It's going to be the quicker one. Is I've got the distinct feeling... That it's going to be a launch title for the PS5. Yep, same. Which I've it, it'd be an awesome launch title. Oh yeah, hell yeah! But it also means you've got a hefty price tag for a brand new console as well. Yeah, you've got to lay out the three hundred, four hundred, five hundred dollars, five hundred pounds, yep. and the seventy pounds, eighty pounds, eighty dollars, whatever. Oh, 90, 90 quid slash dollars for a season yeah, pass. Yeah, exactly. Kind of thing. Right. It's it's looking more like it's going to go that direction. Which yeah, I mean, if you think about it, the PS4 is really old at this point yes we have had we have had the ps4 pro um sort of refresh line but it's still really quite it's when did the ps4 come out 2015 2016 before that really yeah 2014 you're talking let's let's have a look the xbox one and the ps4 both of them because they both came out quite close to each other i'm gonna say it's close to 10 years at least nine. PlayStation 4 launch date was 15th of November 2013. 2013. So six years. So it's about right when did the for PS3 it. When the PS3 come out? The PS3 came out 2004 because that was when Metal Gear Solid 4 mm-hmm. came out. Yeah, so yeah, we're coming towards the end of the PS4's yeah. life. If they invest heavily in the PS4 now and then the PS5 comes out, no, no one will want to touch it. Here's yeah. what I'm thinking though. I'm thinking, because this is Square Enix and they love money, that it's going to (laughs) be... Am I wrong? Is that it's going to be on both consoles. Yeah. That there's going to be a PS4 title and a PS5 title, because they did that with the Final Fantasy X HD remaster, which annoyed the hell out of me, because I got the HD remaster for my PS3, because, you know, it was still in that weird cuspy stage of, like, people still using PS3 because they couldn't quite afford a PS4 yet. Understandable. Mm-hmm. And then it was, like, a year or so later, they were like, oh, yeah, it's coming out on PS4 as well. And I'm like, are you serious? So, yeah, naturally I got it on PS4 as well. But it, I think that's what they're going to do because it's like, that's two consoles generating money for them. Yeah, I'll be the, one of the first... Um, remake and HD edition of the remake. Wow. Yeah. You know, like uh, we talked earlier on about, hey, the PS4 has come out, let's re-release all of the PS3 games, but with HD remaster in yeah. front of it, and don't actually do anything to the game, just mm. format the engine so that it works on the, on the newer yeah. hardware. Yeah, that's my first sort of query about it. And the other one is, I don't know if anyone's sort of cottoned on to this, I haven't read about it yet, if anyone's sort of querying this, but there's, there's a glaring issue that could be potentially a problem. Mm-hmm. 
and it's revolving around gold saucer. Yeah. For the possible inclusion of microtransactions for the currency in Gold Saucer. You went in a completely different direction. I thought you were going to go in there. Because I've got something to do with Gold Saucer yeah. as well. But, yes. but I'm just with with the with the boom of, you know, DLC and useless DLC and in game currencies and all the rest yeah. of it. I'm really hoping they don't go with that. Because it's given that some of the games are really hard to play on the original, especially if you want on um, Omni Slash. Mm. You know, and some of the like the power belts and the stuff from the battle square and yeah. what have you. But I really hope the don't go down the route. If you if you pay forty extra quid, you can get the level four level break. Yeah, I agree with that. But I'm hoping that they go the route. Funnily enough, you mentioned the gold saucer. The gold saucer is also in Final Fantasy fourteen. Is it? Yeah, fourteen has a lot of like nods to the other games in it, which is cool. Like the car from Final Fantasy XV, they released that, yeah, didn't they? Yeah, funnily enough, you got that with um, MGP in the Gold Saucer in fourteen. But yeah, the Gold Saucer is in Final Fantasy fourteen, and there are no microtransactions. Ooh. Players earn the MGP, the currency that you can only use in the Gold Saucer, by either completing their weekly challenge log. So, for example, you can do Chocobo Racing in there. So it's like win 10 Chocobo races and you'll get something like, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's something like 3,000 MGP as a bonus on top of the like three to 400 MGP that you win for winning the race. Mm. So I'm hoping that they go more that route because it would be a lot more entertaining for players. But also, I know that you you mentioned like worrying about microtransactions, but they have an opportunity there why not make some of the games online or at least something that... Multiplayer. Yeah, multiplayer that you can team up with your friends on your PlayStation friends list and, you know, play the crazy motorcycle thing or do the snowboarding or the boxing and stuff like that. Or the, the, the roller coaster and you take it as a team to yeah, shoot stuff. exactly. You know, that could be an interesting little thing. But the way they get around that, because clearly it seems that Sony has a hand in this... <laughs> I, I have my speculations that Sony has been maybe giving them a little bit of money because, well, originally the remake was announced on the Sony stage. Yeah. So they might have a hand in it somewhere. So the only stipulation with that is but instead of microtransactions, in order for you to do these multiplayer things, you have to have PS Plus. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'm with you on it, mate. I am. I have the same worry that it's just going to be another microtransaction thing that's going to really put a lot of players off or bankrupt some because, you know, some people just have no self-control. Yeah. I feel bad for the people that have no self-control that are very much into pay to win because companies, and I'm not just saying it's Square Enix, but a lot of companies are preying on your lack of self-control. Yeah, capitalising on it quite literally. Yeah, exactly. (coughs) Yeah, EA, looking at you, bro. I'm hoping that it's not one of those things and that it is just another area for you to grind. Hmm. Like, normal grinding. Like, you want Omni Slash, for example. Yeah, have fun in the battle arena. You're going to be there Hmm. a while kind of thing. I would much rather they do that. And that if they did do any DLC, it's cosmetic DLC sort of things like again referring to 14 but they have a website called Mugstation where you manage your subscription but you can also purchase in-game items but all of these items are cosmetic 
So they don't affect your game at all. It's not like, say, for example, Call of Duty, where it's like, oh, if you want to do something else, you've got to buy this map with real money. So it doesn't affect your game in any way, shape or form. It's literally, do you want this outfit? Yes. Well, then you're going to pay for it. Okay. Well, I haven't got the money for that right now. Yeah. I get it. Outfits. I know what you want. You want to dress up as uh, cross-dressing cloud all the way through the game, don't you? You can't hide it from me. Yeah. You caught me. But no, if they did the DLC like that, where it is just purely cosmetic things like, oh, have the first Sarugi, uh, the fusion sword from Advent Children instead of the Buster Sword. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. That's cosmetic. You know, have Tifa wear her Advent Children attire. Cosmetic. Have Barrett with a bigger afro. Yeah, stuff like that. If it's purely cosmetic and it's one of those things where it's just like, oh, that'll be a bit of a laugh. Like you say, you know, for example, give Barrett a huge, like, 70s style afro. That's glittery. Yeah, the, you know, it's like, it's like he's basically got a disco ball on his head. Again, to your listeners, this is just uh, examples. They are not going to be in the game. If they are, I will be surprised. <laughs> I'll definitely get the Barrett one. Hell yeah! Because <laughs> you do your first playthrough, and your first playthrough is always serious. But if you ever go back to a game, you'll be like, oh yeah, I got that really ridiculous hair accessory that, like, ribbons, for example. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to make sure that Cloud wears a ribbon and all the way through it. So in all the cutscenes, he's just got this huge ass pink bow in his hair and it's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> if it's DLC like that, I can live with it. Yeah. If it's DLC like, and I swear to God, I will riot if they do it like a DLC like Aeris Lives. Yeah, that would annoy the hell out yeah. of me. Stuff like that would really grind my gears. Considering that the original Final Fantasy VII, they couldn't put everything in that they wanted to. Mm -hmm. And if you installed the PC version, during the installation, you got a picture and it was, you saw Ares, Aerith? How do you pronounce it? I always say Aerith because that's how I've known her for the past 20 odd years. Okay, so Aerith. You see her stood on like a heliport with the high wind, which she never saw during the game. And you, you don't see that in the game. So in that one screenshot, she sees the airship she wants to ride and you never get that in the game yeah and if it's a case of you get this dlc and she sees all the stuff she wants to see and you get all the extra content for a price that would annoy the hell out of me Mm -hmm. it really would especially if it was like really expensive dlc yeah that would i mean if if they charged it for the price of like say normal add-on dlc Mm. you know that would bug the living hell out of me yeah that wasn't included because guaranteed if they did that, all of them files would be in the base game and you just buy an unlock code. Yeah. Like on this DLC, that would bug the living hell out of me, that. Yeah. So, again, like, I can live with cosmetic DLC because it's one of those things where you don't have to have it. No one's putting a gun to your head. <laughs> it's not going to change the experience of the game for you as in like you know it's not going to open other maps or unlock characters so on and so forth it is just purely putting either a different skin on a weapon or a different outfit on a character that kind of cosmetic dlc Mm. then i'm fine with it i can live with that because again it's down to the player discretion on whether you want to spend your money on it Mm. those are the only two sort of things i'm getting towards being said and it's going to be released with the ps5 as a launch title yeah and it's just from games nowadays and the, the ones that really annoy me more than pay this for a character that should have been in the first place and it'll change the entire game mm. the other one that really annoys me 
is it's not intentional. I can understand why they do it, but you know when you get like JRPGs that come out mm. and you might get an extra costume or here's some free DLC, which is a mountain of money just to set you up. The bits that annoy me is pay this in real money to get an orb which grants you two or three times experience gain for half an hour. Mm -hmm. Coming from a person who would quite happily sit there and grind on an RPG for hours on end, because that's how we did it back in the day. Yeah. You know, there was no leg ups, no nothing. It's kind of a, let's fast forward to the level that we need. No, grind. Because grinding, you might find a different strategy that you might just stumble it's upon. It's not only that, it's the personal reward of doing it, I find. Mm. It's like... Effort and reward. Yeah. Again, I see it a lot on 14. We have this thing called the Party Finder where you can recruit people from across your data center to help you out with dungeons, rage, trials, so on and so forth. Hmm. But usually at the top of the list are people selling their services to basically carry you through content. Ugh. Out of curiosity in the past, because I was like, how does this even work? What do they even charge kind of thing? I contacted one of these people that were selling it more for my own research if I ever decided to do it myself because it is a great moneymaker in like in terms of like in-game currency, not real world currency. Yeah. And, you know, I got chatting with someone and to do an extreme primal, which is so you've got your normal mode over primal, say for example, Shiva mm. that you do through main scenario or it's an optional quest. And then you have an extreme version which is a much harder version of what you originally did yeah and some people struggle with that you know i admit that there have been some of them that i have just sat there and i've wanted to claw my own eyes out because it's been hard <laughs> but people will charge say i think the person i spoke to i can't remember their name and i wouldn't even name drop anyway they said that for a clear they charged one million gil for any drops from it. Right. So you can get mounts from this. You can get weapons. You can get crafting material. So for any drops that you wanted, it was an additional 1 million gil. So if the mount dropped from Shiva back then, it was a pony. Yeah. That was 1 million. If you wanted the weapon, it could end up costing you like nearly 5 million gil just to be carried through this content. And I thought it was absolutely insane. And I mean, this is going back a few years now, so I don't know where the prices have changed. But I look at it on the party finder every now and again, and I'm just like, why would you pay to do this? There's no gratification in it. Mm. Yeah, there's been content where I have been sat there just going, I'm never going to do this. This is like, it's killing me. Like, there was a primal in Heaven's Ward called Zervan. He's part of the warring triad from FF6, the demon. Yeah. I literally tried to down him for 12 hours straight it was a sunday afternoon and i just went today is the day i'm going to down him Oof. 12 hours later i was a little bit delirious i was exhausted mentally and physically <laughs> but i did it i got that gratification of the hard work that i put in where do people get that gratification by basically paying to win? There's no gratification mm. other than having the bragging right of, yeah, I did it, but you didn't. Somebody else did it for you. Yeah. I don't get it. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that of the microtransactions of buying orbs or crystals or whatever it is at that particular point to get you XP boosts or to help you clear something you know, where it's like a stat booster or something like that, that you can't either craft in-game or obtain in-game naturally. Hmm. 
to help you do something. So like potions and stuff like that, shall we say, for example, which you'll probably naturally pick up throughout the game. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not about that. I would rather sit there and scream at my TV for six hours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can understand for the microtransactions if you're either in an area where it's not easy to level up or you're short on time. Mm. You know, if life gets in the way, I can understand that if you're drop a couple of quid every so often yeah. just because you, you physically haven't got the time. But if you're spending 40, 50, 60, 70 pounds or dollars a time yeah. just to accrue them, to drop them one after another, there's something wrong at that point, I think. Yeah. There's just not wrong, but there's something wrong with that. If you want to do that, then fine. But, you know, there's something wrong with the practice of just buying them in bulk and using them one after another. If you're physically short on time, or you've only got, like, say, an hour to play it because you've got life to deal with, yeah. then I can understand. But if you're just buying it for the hell of it, or because you you just want to level up quicker to breeze through the game, personally, I don't think there's much satisfaction in that. Mm. I really don't. If, if you're just you're buying DLC to breeze through a game, there's no point. There's no challenge. Intro music is Behind the Lines by Ian Sutherland. Outro music is I Need You, Watashi no Sabate by GH. Spoiler break music is Spectral Subdiffusion Mix by Phonics. Palette cleansing music is Breathe Deep, Breathe Clear by Siobhan Decay. See the show notes for more details.